Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. And welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And on this episode, we will always talk about some uh, doing, thinking, playing board games. And Ryan, we what's 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 at the station? Something's uh, at I, the I, station. We've got the hype train back, and we've got our good friend, listener of the show, Chris. Show me the money, Morris. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going to always talk about what we've been doing, what we've been thinking, and of course, what we've been playing in board games. Ryan, why don't you start us out, man? Sure. So if you've been listening to the show, you kind of know that I really enjoy the Exit the Game series. Um, Exit the Game actually made my top 20 games of all time. Like I just did the whole series of them. Um, And so we finally got to the table, the newest one, um, the Deserted Lighthouse. And now this one is actually much different than all the other Exit the Games. All the Exit the Games usually come in a small box and it's usually run by like a paper book uh, and then a whole bunch of cards. Well, the Deserted Lighthouse is the first one to introduce actual physical jigsaw puzzles as part of the game system which has not been done for them yet uh, done for them yet so the box actually uh, advertises that there's four 88 piece jigsaw puzzles that you're going to have to assemble for uh, during the course of the game and now um, I'm, I'm gonna have to preface this there's, I, I might give minor spoilers <laughs> here because I, I it's gonna be hard for me to express my thoughts about this one without giving out too much away Um just letting you know that the game is going to be longer than your typical exit the game. Like exit the games, usually you have your one hour time limit. Well, this one advertises there's usually about there's about a two hour time limit on on this one, and that that is rightfully so because putting together a jigsaw puzzle, like <laughs> one jigsaw puzzle, without knowing what the picture is supposed to be, that's a challenge. And then during the course of this game, you're gonna have to put together four jigsaw puzzles without knowing what the picture is actually supposed to be. So and the that, conver- that, that's, that's a challenge. The conversion rate for me is that's four days, man. I'm just like <laughs> four days. I got to oh, find on. the edges first. Oh, come, got- on. oh come on. Oh, come on. They're eight, they're 88 pieces. Just shy, just shy of a hundred. Okay. I'll cut that to half two. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah. So the, the challenge, like right off the get go, that's what you're going to have to do because there's no actual physical book you're looking through. 
you have to assemble the puzzle and the, the jigsaw puzzle has all of the clues and all of the puzzles that you actually actually have to solve in order to progress the game, which is all fine and dandy. I thought this was going to be really, really clever, yeah. except for the puzzle was really, really hard to read. <laughs> the, oh, the pieces. oh, yeah, because the cuts, the cut lines, I guess. Right. And they, they tried to ever so do this eloquently where like one cut on one piece kind of doesn't give too much away onto the next piece that it's supposed oh, okay. to connect to, but that kind of took away a bit too. And plus the pieces are really small and they're trying to hide a lot of detail in these very small jigsaw pieces. So like there was many puzzles that we tried to solve throughout the game where it was like, we have no idea what we do. We look and read a clue that says, Oh, look at this piece. We look at it and we're like, okay, I guess you see, I, I, I guess that's there. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of a stretch but so that that was one physical limitation where i thought okay this was a really cool concept but they didn't really pull it off i, I thought that if the jigsaws were just a little bit bigger for us to see like i'm not poor yeah. eyesight or anything yeah. like that and a lot of them were <laughs> i was gonna throw in a progressive lens joke in there but i thought no nah, <laughs> no nah, it's it's already passed and now also preface this too if you're an exit the game player um you kind of know all the tricks of the trade that they've trying to so this actually allowed them to introduce some new tricks yeah with the jigsaw puzzles and you're gonna here's the spoiler you're gonna end up having to manipulate the actual jigsaw puzzles at times which is something that we weren't expecting to be able to we thought you just put together the jigsaw uh-huh. puzzle and it's done and then you're like we had to read a clue and we're like what oh oh, oh 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 physically actually alter the pu- oh shit okay <laughs> like that just blew that blew it blew our minds we would have never thought about to do cool. that in a million years so i'm looking at the pictures and there's there's a looks like there's a code disc as well. well so so all of the eggs of the games have a decoder disc yeah type of thing this is the first one where i actually had to assemble the decoder disc ahead of time uh-huh. which was kind of weird <laughs> Because you, <laughs> it sounds you, like you're getting upset that you have to build things in this one. So well, no, put and, a puzzle and, and, together. I gotta put. Well, here, no, here's the thing: because you don't play these, you don't play these things like I do. No, no, they, I don't. They usually yeah. hide. They usually hide things inside of the decoder disc. Oh, okay. So I had to put this together, and as I'm putting it together, I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, okay, there's a clue, and uh, there's a clue. Oh, oh, okay. So I guess I know that I'm going to have to look inside this thing eventually. Okay, type of thing. So I thought that was kind of weird in in, the, in that sense but yeah so, so so overall i like what they did i don't think that this was a i think this was a uh, i don't it even want like to say it was good because it's, it sounds like they had issues with the execution of of, of their idea i love the concept i love the yeah. concept that they're doing with it i love the concept um i'll, I'll let you because we always try to do a versus a score we're usually like an eight seven yeah on the on the exit the game when you complete the game you get a seven or an eight we got a two on this one <laughs> we got a two <laughs> and it all and, and by by the all said and done too it took us uh four hours okay <laughs> we actually I'm, split it over two, we actually split it over two nights <laughs> i'm trying so hard not to say a number two joke but you know we'll move on <laughs> so pretty stinky uh, scores what you're saying right yeah for for <laughs> us uh exit the game aficionados who have done them all yeah this one this one kicked our butts and that's because they brought something new all right but so bottom line did you have fun 
I, I had a blast. Jen was frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> she was, she was, she was beyond frustrated. And now I have the second one. There's another one that was called the sacred temple. And it also incorporates this jigsaw puzzle, um, uh, mechanic mechanic to it so i don't know if she'll actually bite into that one after having such a raw yeah. experience with with this one but. chris what's your take on the uh, the exit stuff so far um i think i've only played one or two of them and uh i i'm not the brightest guy in the room <laughs> so so exit games for me um i i've enjoyed the puzzling nature of it and and i think usually once in each game i come up with a <gasps> You know that yeah. might be a thing we should do, and I feel really good about myself for all of about twenty seconds, and um, and then we move on to the big clues. So um, I think most of the time my friends just kind of give me a, a free pass at a clue <laughs> that uh, that they all knew was going to be there. So um, I've I've enjoyed them, but it's not my not my cup of tea. I was hoping my wife might maybe want to play one of them at some point, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And what, and what was it like the last episode or a couple episodes ago that we just did? I have like like many cryptography degrees. Like how oh, many yeah. degrees? Did yeah, I seventeen. I think it was at twenty-two <laughs> by the end of this show. Yeah, yeah. none of them yeah. paid off during yeah. this experience. Yeah. yeah, we're not even counting the certificates, right? So, <laughs> um, uh, so exit the game, the deserted lighthouse. They're doing something different, and if you're an ex- exit the game person, expect something different, and also expect a a, a, lo- a longer chunk of time <laughs> to try to complete one. Cool. Cool. Um, well, before I do my little shtick, Chris, what anything you've been playing lately? Um, I got a classic game to the table last week. Um, a game from 2003. It's actually a 2003 Spiel des Jahres winner. Um, Alhambra. Oh, Alhambra. <laughs> Alhambra. Yeah, it is such a good game. And, you know, when you play a game that, you know, you haven't, like, I haven't played Alhambra in a long, long time. And I remembered it being like a really good game. And then you go back to a game years later and you think, is this game really going to stand up still? And uh, Alhambra definitely does. It was absolutely fantastic. We did a three-player game. It's quick. It uh, There's not a lot of downtime. Um, I mean, you guys are probably aware of it, obviously, from, from your reactions there. But on your turn, you do like one of three things. So it's, turns are very, very quick. And really, it's only one of two things, because I don't know anybody that does the remodel action on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> so you're, you're either taking um, money cards um, from, the, from the board, and it's really simple. You just take one card. Um, if you take cards that, that if, if you take a card that equals less than $5, then you could take multiple cards, as long as they don't add up to more than $5. Yeah. So you can take some really small cards, um, or you can take a bigger value one. Or your other action is to buy tiles from the market and place them into your Alhambra. Um, and again, if you pay each each tile, there's four tiles that are available. They each have a different color associated with them, which are what the money cards are related to. Um, and if you pay exactly the right amount, then you can buy another tile. You can chain that together multiple times on your turn if you want to. Um, but normally you're placing one, maybe two tiles on most turns. And the thing that I love about Alhambra is you can't rotate the tiles because they have some of them will have wall pieces that are on the outside and you want to try to create this really large wall. And it'd be super, super easy to make just a gigantic wall if you could rotate the tiles any way that you want. 
But in this game, you can't rotate them. So they all have to face you. There's three scoring phases that happen where it's just a simple majority of whoever has the most of each color type of building will score extra points. And, you know, it's it's clean, it's simple, and it is a heck of a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, we, we played that. And it, it, you know, I have a bunch of the expansions for it. The, the, the way back in the day, the expansion boxes usually had like four modules in them. So we only played with like the Diamonds expansion because we had a brand new player. And I haven't played the game in probably six or seven, eight, eight years, maybe. Uh, so we just played with one small little expansion with it. But there is so much replayability in that game. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, oh. And really, I'm thinking, okay, it came out in 2003. So not next year but the year after will be their 20th anniversary yeah. and i hope they do something really special with it i know ryan's a big fan of this game please yeah um i actually i kickstarted way back uh, a couple of years ago now it was the they had the alhambra mega mega box designer edition so it's got larger tiles acrylic tower what what is it advertised 41 different modules that you can incorporate into the <laughs> like anything and everything Alhambra I own and we immensely enjoy it oh and it was the game that I've said it told the story many times of this podcast it was the game that got me into the board gaming hobby it was the first um designer after like say like see the like Catan wasn't even my first one. <laughs> it Alhambra was your first was step one. game yeah <laughs> see and here I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you guys right now um I, I've yet to play Alhambra I've yet to play it. So I think I'm, I might have to go out and, you know, this might be the episode where I start buying some games <laughs> live on the internet. Like, well, this, cause I, I totally dig, like I'm a huge fan of El Grande and I, I respect the fact that sometimes there's these games that are the foundation of, you know, of what they are or what they represent. So yeah, I, Man, there's too many people talking about this. Yeah, game. actually, El Grande was actually the game that got me back into board gaming as well, way, way back in the day. And we played that. That was one of the last games we played before lockdown happened um, a year ago. And man, that game is so, so good. Uh, oh. Just an amazing board game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there are some classics that you go back to and you're like, huh. We, we used to really enjoy this. Like, what was wrong with us back then? But games like El Grande and games like El Hambra, they are absolutely spectacular, and they still hold true today. Um, and, and it really, you know, some, some of the new games could actually learn something, I think, going back to those ones, because I think there's a lot of bloat that goes into some designs that, uh, you know, these games don't have. And, uh, and it's nice. It's nice. I'll use a, I'll use a reference that I used uh, on uh, last night's recording with Friday Night Games. It's like Top Chef. Don't have too many ingredients. Like keep it, keep it right to the, you know, what's the essence right, of this plate, yeah, right? Right, right to the point. Yeah. yeah. So it's getting to the point. I'm going to talk about mine. Um, this one, I, you know, we talked about uh, before we went on the air. We talked about these these places that we just all of a sudden you see board games and and designer board games. And uh, I had to go to Walmart the other day to go pick up some. So I think it was a, a needle to inflate a basketball. And I was walking down the aisle and I went, holy moly, look at the stuff. I got, I picked up Pan Am um, mm. 2020 uh, designed by Prospero Hall, which is the design team that's brought you horrified and, and uh, the, the, the Disney villainous, right? Just incredible, uh, incredible suite of designers um, and published by Funko Games. And um, it was cool. I did it like today, just today thinking, 
Uh, I bought it. I want to just give it one of those playthroughs, right? Two-player playthrough. What a cool game. Hmm. Um, it Thematically speaking, it represents, um, uh, and again, the retroness is so awesome. Uh, Pan Am, Pan American Airlines, when it, when it started out of Miami and, and grew to be the, the industry standard of intercontinental travel. So what you do is you guys represent your own kind of regional uh, 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 airline, burgeoning airline company that starts to establish these little routes. But the idea is it's all based on Pan Am stock because as the game goes on, Pan Am starts to um, buy out the routes and expand their huge footprint over the globe. And you kind of want to have these routes established in there so that when they buy you out, they buy you out at a bigger rate because at the end of the round, when you go through all of this worker placement, uh, I'll get back to that part, but this worker placement allotment of, of getting this engine going, the last round is buying stocks in Pan Am. There's a, there's a, a, a stock track of you know your typical uh, rise and fall of your stock. And um, wow, what a cool game. I, would, I can't wait to get this to have other players sitting down with it because there's just so much depth to this game that I, I can see this, you know, when you, when you play a game, you go, man, I need to, I need to like, you know, get my feet into this or my fingers into this a little deeper because I can see some interesting pathways that are there or, you know, that are, hmm, I need to like, you know, pick at this idea for a while. But I had so much fun just pushing through the game system. And uh, yeah, it was one of those kind of like, yay, I'm happy I picked this up because this is, there's something here that is, is interesting to me. So I don't know what, I've, I mean, what you guys are for this game or, the, or, or what Prospero Hall puts out. I, I, so I only know about this game through the Facebook community posts. Every now and then, um, a few people have posted over it over the past, like, I want to say month or two. Yeah. And um, I, I'm intrigued by it. Um, when I would listen to other podcasts talk about it, they always made, they always made mention of like a, a, a kind of like a ticket to ride plus yeah. type of type of feeling. Cause to there's it. a, like, yeah, there's a card that? system. Yeah. 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 There's, it's so cool. And, and um, I think it was 29 bucks. It was, it was, it was one of those really seriously. And it was in my cart before I even, my brain frontal part of my brain went, um, that's going to be this much money. It just in the cart. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm interested by this uh, design team of Prosper Hall because they're kind of like going to be like, like this generation's like Parker brothers <laughs> type yeah. of type of thing. They seem to be in all the big box stores and, and places that you don't typically see. Um, board games and yet their games are kind of like being they're, they're just kind of they're kind of like just there all, all the time it's yeah. kind of really really interesting Sorry, I have I cut you off yeah no I was just gonna say I, I remember somebody in our game group talking about it last year that they picked it up and they said that it was it was so much better than they were expecting it to yeah. um, you know like you, you take a look at it and it looks you know it, like you said sort of on the level of ticket to ride but there's a lot more going on with it and it it really does have me intrigued it's one of those games that i definitely want to try i don't think i have any intention of picking it up um but if the opportunity is, is there to play it one time i will definitely sit down and play it for sure 
Uh, it looks really, really cool. And those airplane minis look fantastic, yeah, too. Know, they're, right? they're so cute. They remind me, there was a game that I used to play way back when I was a kid uh, that had airplane minis in it, and they look almost identical to those ones. I can't remember the name of the game, but uh, um, it was like from the 70s or something, and it was it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I this is this is this is going to get played some more, and I'll I'll, yeah. I'll bring this back up to a topic. But yeah, that's and like you said, Ryan, I think this Prospero Hall team is uh, is anything that they put up, uh, they, anything that they put out is uh, is impressive. I mean, and what I appreciate from that team is every game they put out is in the same standard size of box. Um, they don't use shrink wrap. They just use stick tabs on the edges, which is right in my head. I'm like, hey, that's an environmental, less of an environmental footprint, right? So good on them. And they find that happy medium of component quality where their games are at an awesome price because they're giving you, it's the perfect scenario of you definitely get what you pay for, or maybe you get a little bit more of what you pay for. So yeah. So so like the value the value of the game is a oh. little bit maybe you're you're getting a little bit more out of it for the price point like yeah like like a like a similar game made by oh I'm just gonna throw out names like like like, like say say Stronghold Games put out this game yeah like you're you're easily paying like you're paying like fifty to sixty dollars yeah like the the minis don't need to be this insane mini model it's like no it's an abstraction I get it move on right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that that right now the the plastic bling that's out there from some publishers <laughs> is just like it's over the top. And I mean, and I think we're all suckers for it. I mean, I I went whole bore into uh, Arcadia Quest because I just love the look of the miniatures there. I know Ryan's picked up a few games uh, that are mini heavy as well. So just, um, just just one or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just one or two. I, I also have a gigantic Cthulhu Wars collection, and uh, I'm not going to lie. Part of it is because of the the minis, uh, which are not really miniature at all. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think that you know, I think sometimes it's nice to get back to the simplicity of it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I highly recommend. I, I don't think anyone would be disappointed because it's it's a it's a awesome kind of. Right, right in that medium area of everybody's appreciation. So, Pan Am by uh, Prospero Hall. Hey, this is Ryan from Cardboard Conjecture and Bridge City Board Gamers. Our 100th episode is coming up really, really fast on us. And guess what? It's our topic pool is starting to run a little thin. So that's where you, the listeners, are coming in. What we have going on is we're going to have a contest where... Somebody is going to name some topics of interest for us. Like, just give us some topics of interest. Like, what do you want us to talk about? What haven't we talked about in a while? What haven't we talked about at all? So go over to the Bridge City Board Gamers Facebook page. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. I've got links to a poll that I want you to answer. And guess what? If we decide to pick your con- uh, your topic and we talk about it on there you're going to get a $20 gift card to Dragon's Den Games right here in Saskatoon. And Dragon's Den Games has an online website that you can cash in that gift card for. So not just limited to Saskatoon folks. And we are back. This is the Topics of Interest. And as we said in the opener, it's the hype train. Um, so I'm going to pitch this to Ryan and let him, uh, talk about what is the hype train and what's going on. So Ryan. 
All right. So this is the third hype train. And I don't know if, if it's just going to keep getting better and better because we've got the, it's just like a train just, just starts off a little slow and then it starts picking up steam. And so what the hype train is here is we're going to give some love to some games that may have fallen off our radars or maybe not, not even been put on a radar in the first mm-hmm. place just because of all this gaming bloat that's going on right now with the thousands of games getting released year after year, things are getting hidden. And so we have friend of the show here, Chris Morris, Clona BC. Um, he's on Twitter. We've been act- interacting with Chris on Twitter for a long time now. And he chomped at the bit when we asked him he wanted to be on the hype train. And he was just like, yep, name a day, name a time. Here we are. Welcome, Chris. Yay! Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I was actually, I thought that I should have been on here a long time ago because PCBG, doesn't that stand for British Columbia Board Gamers? (laughs) (laughs) I I seriously thought that's what you got. I thought it was either British Columbia Board Gamers or that you guys were some like New York punk uh, board game cafe. CBGBs, yeah. Yeah, 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 BCBG. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, so yeah, I've, I've been, I've been dying to get on here for a while and, uh, you know, hanging out with you guys online over the last little bit here. Uh, lots of fun and, uh, yeah, yeah. Thrilled to be here. Cool. Well, um, uh, as Ryan said, you get to, and we don't know what, uh, you brought to the table for us. So, um, yet now we talked back and forth where you're saying, well, I got to narrow it down. And I said, you know what, why don't you bring two, why don't you give us an honorable mention and then, uh, give us the, uh, give us the, the the one that's gonna be riding on the hype train. So okay. uh, yeah, wait, wait sure. just one second. What? I gotta get my gotta get my Amazon oh, yeah. card all primed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got three or four tabs of different right. online to, uh, providers. So there you go, there you go. All right. Um, yeah, well, you know, like there was a couple games that I did want to talk about, but but they're not available to be purchased anymore. So uh, you know, I had to scrap those from the list because oh. uh, I am hoping to to empty your guys' wallets here a little yeah. bit. So. It ain't hard. Yeah, no. <laughs> it ain't hard over here in Saskatchewan. Yeah. 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 Nice. So, so yeah. So my honorable mention, uh, if we do that one first, um, this is a game from 2019. Ooh. Um, yeah. So fairly, fairly recent uh, by one of my favorite designers, uh, John D. Clare. Okay. He does some really, really cool, innovative things. Um, it's uh, it's a two to six player game. It's currently ranked 1,025 on BGG. Oh, that's buried. Yeah, it's it's buried a little bit. Um, yeah. And it's a cool world-building game with a bingo mechanic. And it's Ecos First Continent. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if you guys have played this before, but um, Ecos is really, really cool. Um, it was actually one of my favorite games from 2019. And I don't think it got the love that I, I felt that it deserved. It seemed to get a little bit of hype early, but uh, it kind of petered out. Um, but it's kind of cool. You get a, a hand of cards dealt to you at the beginning of the game. And each card has icons on it. And the icons are activated each round by one player um, called the Harbinger. Um, it's like the scariest name for an active player in any board <laughs> I know, game. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the Harbinger do- draws tiles out of a bag, like bingo, and they say, like, you know, three concentric circles. 
Um, and if you have that symbol on one of your cards, you can put a token on it and mark it off. And once you fill up all of the tokens that are on a card, and they'll have between one to six icons on them, and you can activate its ability. And the abilities are really cool things where you can put new ter new terrain tiles down on the board to make the landscape a little bit larger. There's only three different landscape tiles. There's grasslands, there's savanna, and there's water. And you can create these really cool ecosystems with those three terrain types. You can start to plant forests and mountains on some of the different terrain. Yeah. And you can also start to add animals to the board. And this is when it gets really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so all of the cards will sort of work with each other. And you'll place all these different cool animals on the board. And nobody owns anything. So if I play like three antelopes on the board and Ryan has something that can activate antelopes on one of his cards, he can use those antelopes, which is really cool. And each animal has tons of different abilities that they can possibly have with all these different cards that are in it. And they can do really cool things. Things like, you know, sharks obviously are going to eat anything near them. So, you know, my carefully planned manatees that I've maybe placed into the water to score me some big points, suddenly somebody plops a shark down the middle <laughs> of them and he just starts munching on them like crazy. Um, you could have storks that like fly across the, the board back and forth, scoring you tons of points. And everybody's trying to mess with everybody else on there. Um, if you if people ever draw a token out of the bag and you don't have that on any of your cards, you actually have a little tile that you can rotate 90 degrees at a time. And each time you activate it, it act you, you can you can reset it to collect different bonuses. You can get more tokens that you can put onto your your tile your tiles because it's very very limited. The resources are very very tight in this game. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a really really cool game. You can get new special abilities, and you're constantly evolving these these cards and these tiles. And it's a game that. I think because it has that bingo mechanic, a lot of people are like, oh, it doesn't sound all that interesting. But man, it is so much fun. It can be so chaotic. Um, it's it's a really, really fun, enjoyable game. And it's uh, it's one of those games that I, I really do think it deserves a little bit more love. I, I've played this once. Um, I think Dave Dave and the family, when they came over to my place for a uh, like an all, all Saturday kind of gamey thing, uh, they brought it, we played it, and man, was it fun um it was to me it felt like because one of my favorite games dominant species to me it felt like a passive aggressive dominant species because mm -hmm. i mean that one dominant species you're in you're like you're purposefully wanting to eliminate this one is like oh like you said i'm just gonna have a little shark over here oh look 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 he can go oh there's a little drive-through of man yeah. right or the gorilla or the lion right I, I just remember. Yeah, yeah, there's there's 13 different yeah. animals and they all do these really, really cool, different, unique things. Certain ones can only live in certain habitats, like gorillas have to be near trees. And yeah, they're they're really it's really, really cool. But was there something about rotating the cards? Yeah, so each time that you fill it up, you you yell out ecos and then you can activate the tile um, or the card. And each card can only be activated a certain number of times. And it'll be between one to four times. So if a card has four activations on it, it's usually like a more utilitarian card, which doesn't yeah. give you like a lot of points and stuff in it, but it might be useful for, you know, to bring out more, more terrain and whatnot. Um, or some cards that have just a single activation, they're really, really powerful and yeah. they can score you a ton of points. So there's a ton of balancing that went into this game and it's, it's a neat sweet spot because I think like most, most 
ecological type games where you have these like species that evolve or change and whatnot or landscapes they're either super super heavy and complex like dominant species is definitely on the yeah. upper end of that spectrum or i think of like a lot of phil eklund's yeah. games which i i really love but man you got to be in the right mindset to play those because they are like brain burner to the extreme like a seminar class <laughs> oh yeah yeah totally or or i found a lot of them are like um um games like Oh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but they're they're really really basic um, yeah. from North Star Games, um, not Oceans, but the predecessor. Oh, um, uh, Evolution. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Evolution. Yeah, yeah. yeah Evolution. Which I, I like Evolution, but it is super super light. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's and I think that Ecos kind of falls in between those really nicely, and it's uh, it's a fun fun game. Ryan, have you uh, have you had a chance? I, okay, so I have not played this one. And, and you just I, bought I, it. And, well, no, I, I I don't know why I haven't played it because, well, I because I, I own a game called Rise of Augustus or just yeah. Augustus in, in, in certain editions, in it, which incorporates that exact same um, mechanic of the, the big, we'll just call it the bingo mechanic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly what's happening here. Um, so I, I never really jumped on this because I was like, do I need another bingo game? And now just as we're talking about it, I got in my mind, I'm like, why don't more games why don't more games incorporate <laughs> it's a very it's a very familiar yeah. mechanic in which a lot of people can jump into this um this this type of game like obviously this one ecos yeah. here has a little bit more going on with the activation of the cards and there's mm-hmm. obviously things that were going on like that that's just got me that's just what's got me thinking right now yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's a really it's a really cool game and i think the year that it came out i think i played it three times at shucks that year um the game convention out, yeah. out in vancouver and uh man we we always had a blast with it um definitely find it works best with three to four players it goes up <laughs> to six but yeah. i found we played five players once and it might have just been because people were were relatively new at the game but it really really dragged and i know that uh that john declare um i i know i think it's john d claire but i always call him john declare um <laughs> he he said that he loves it with more players but uh, i think if you're more familiar with it yeah. it's definitely better in that player count but um yeah definitely to try it out at first three to four players is a really really good sweet spot cool and that was your honorable mention that's my honorable mention yeah yeah we've talked <laughs> about that for a little oh, while no, that, no that, that's a good one because i remember there's um folks um the year of tooncon here in the city um the year that this came out, there was a, a few tables of it going on at, at that time because it was very it was very new. People were wanting to play it. But you're right. Has anybody ever talked about Ecos yeah. since there's, um, 2019? Yeah. There's an expansion that came out for it, I think, late last year. Yeah. and Or early this year. I'm, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, and I, I have to pick that up at some point because it, uh, it adds like some really, really cool new features where you actually build land, like specific patterns in the landscape. So you can create like the Serengeti and all these really cool things. So it gives you some extra bonuses that you can try to build towards instead of just this, oh, I'll just put this green tile here because it looks pretty there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Echoes, yeah. New, new Horizon. 20, new Horizon. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, and that's that, another thing I liked was the tile building to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really it's really cool. And you score for animals, you score for terrain, you score for like trees and mountains that are yeah. on different terrains. So yeah, there's a lot of things that happen with it, and you can really be like you can get really really creative with it. And uh, like I said, it's, it's been a little while since I played it now, but it is one of those games that I will if somebody you know says, hey, do you want to give Ecos a try? I will I will play that in a heartbeat. It is such a fun game, okay. and and it doesn't outstay its welcome. I got the feeling with that one that it's easy to learn. And it's deep to play. Yeah. 
yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, it's it's like I said, I played a lot of games of it in a short period of time, and um, yeah, it was, and it just got better and better every single time. Uh, really, really fun game. Nice, yeah. very very yeah. cool. Yeah. Ryan, did you put that in your cart yet? It, it, it's on a wish list. Right <laughs> first, the first stage of acquisition. <laughs> this episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by. Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. All right, cool. We'll see, that was honorable mention. Let's hear. I got. I got to get a new uh, search open here for on okay. BGT. All right, there we go. That's All right. Well, you got to listen. You got to listen carefully for the train here for the hype train because it's All like right. we're we're going way back here. So it's there. It is. So this game originally came out in 1991. Oh. And then was re-released <laughs> in 2001. Ooh. And then was altered in 2009. I don't think I get a higher inflection. It's, it's, yeah, and falsetto. then yeah. in 2018, the most recent version came out. Oh. And yeah, this is a game. So the original version is ranked 822 on BGG. Okay. The 2009 version um, is ranked 2420. 2,420. And then the most recent one from 2018 is ranked 2,654. So this game is like way, way, way down. And I do not know why it doesn't get more love than, than it, than it does. Um, It is an area control dudes on a map civilization building game. Um, Plays three to six players. And the latest version plays in about two hours. If you go back to like the old, old, old version, it was like a four plus hour game, four hour plus game. Like it was long. Um, And it was like my personal grail game for a long, long, long time. Uh, It's designed by a trio, uh, Gary Dickin and Steve and Phil Kendall. And together they are known as the Ragnar Brothers, is their design company and publishing company. Yeah. And this is a game called History of the World. Oh, I have heard, heard about of this. this. I've oh, heard about so, this. 1991, so, here we go. Yeah, so if you look at, like, the 2018 version is, like, the, the newest one. Okay. And that's published by Z-Man Games, which is the one that's now currently available. And they've done some really cool things with it. But if, if you guys think way back to when we were all kids, um, we're all going back about the same number of years, I think. Um, I think we all played a lot of Risk. Oh, yeah. I think we all really <laughs> enjoyed Risk. Um, this is Risk improved tenfold. Um, oh. This gives you the same sort of feel as playing those old games of Risk, but so much better. Um, there are five epochs or five rounds in the latest version of the game. And in each epoch, there's going to be two drafts. Uh, there's one draft where everybody's going to get an Empire card. And then another draft for each player will get an event card. And the Empire cards will all show different civilizations from that epoch, from that era. 
and they're all in chronological order. So it starts way off, like way back 5,000 years ago with like the Assyrians and the Egyptians come on and the Greeks come on and everybody kind of, you know, comes onto the board and they start in specific areas of the map. So the Egyptians are going to start in Egypt, right on the Nile Delta, and they're going to have a certain number of armies that they have available to them. And they can just sort of spread wherever they might want on their territory into adjacent territories. And it's really quick and simple in that sense until the board starts to get filled up and you have to start attacking people. Cause at the beginning of the game, it's really easy. Just like, Oh, I have like all this empty land over here. I'll just set up my guys over here. And then somebody else comes on. They're like, Oh, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to use this, this um, civilization here. And we're going to be over in the middle East and we're doing our own little thing here. And then like another faction comes on, another uh, civilization comes on and they're like, well, we're going to start sort of in the middle of you two and now it's fighting time and combat's really, really simple. Attacker gets to generally roll two dice. Defender usually rolls one die highest roll wins. Um, if the attacker fails, they lose one of their armies and armies are very, very limited in the game, but then they get a plus one on a subsequent die roll. So if you continuously attack the same territory, your chances are better and better that you're going to take them over. And, and it's, it's really quick. I mean, this, the combat is really, really quick and simple. Um, if you're defending in mountains or, or forests, you get a bonus die and, you know, all sorts of different things come into play there. But it's, it's really neat. And then the event cards will usually have either minor civilizations that you can activate on your turn as well that you know might only have one or two armies and they're just going to score you a couple points at the end uh of the of the epoch um or they might give you special abilities like maybe you get additional armies for one of your future uh civilizations or some fortifications that make it so that when you defend against somebody you can use those better and all of these different things but whenever you're done with your current civilization and you're out of armies, you are then going to score everything that you have on the board at that point. So all of your current units, as well as anything that stayed on from previous rounds. And all of the regions will have different point values on them. And those point values will actually change throughout history as well. So at the beginning of the game, things like the Middle East and Northern Africa are really, really valuable. But as the game progresses, those point values will change. So people are no longer going to be fighting over those territories. They're going to be fighting over North America or they're going to be fighting over Northern Europe and all of these different factions come out. And it is absolutely incredible. There is so much negotiating and backstabbing that happens in the game. (laughs) And so many games have taken the concept of this and 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 utilized it in their own versions as well. Um, but this is, I think, the original of this sort of style where you have these persistent armies on the map um, that you can't activate them later on. Like what, what happens with the new versions is like once you're done with a civilization, you like lay your miniature down to show that that's no longer an active civilization, but it's still going to score points for you. Yeah. Uh, so only your standing up miniatures are the ones that are going to be able to expand and move on and stuff. And, and you can get ships and sail the oceans and do all sorts of fun, fun, fun stuff. And man, it is absolutely incredible. Um, I've had games where when it's come to my turn, I haven't had a single piece of plastic on the board anymore. And yet I still like score a ton of points at the end of the round, just because of the faction that I use. If you're lucky enough to go very, very last in one epoch and then get an early civilization the next epoch, it's sort of like getting two turns in a row. So you score like way more points that way too. So there's a ton of 
of negotiating that happens within the game. And it is just a heck of a lot of fun. Um, it is one of those games that I never, ever grow tired of. Um, the Avalon Hill Hasbro version that came out in 2001 was like the game that I had to have. And um, I had to hunt down a, a copy of that like many, many, many years ago. Um, I picked up the 2009 version called A Brief History of the World, which was a really, really cool, small run game. And uh, absolutely loved that one, too. And and now with this latest version that Z-Man has put out, it is it is so much fun. Like you can play a game easily oh, within two hours, and it gives you that same feel of risk without everybody hiding out in Australia all game long. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology. Breakout Escapes escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. <laughs> The uh, and that, as you're, I mean, both Ryan and I could see each other. We're we're like looking at the BGG page and we're nodding and we're. Yeah. Just, I look at the at the this one picture I saw in my head. I'm like sold, uh, and it was a picture of a catapult. Oh yeah, there's yeah in the new version there's a catapult which is so totally useful. <laughs> right now I just see Ryan going, oh, there's a catapult really. There's a catapult. There's a cardboard catapult, and all you're doing with that is that. When I mentioned that as the attacker, if you don't attack, if you don't successfully attack a territory, you get plus one in your subsequent die roll. So you place your your unit that you took off of that territory onto the catapult on the plus one spot, and that's all that it does. And then as soon as you win that battle, then you remove that altogether. And um, yeah, it's 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 just such a weird thing that they've included with because it doesn't even fit in the box properly. Like the box is a little bit too tall for oh. it assembled. And it's one of those things you don't want to have to keep taking a, taking apart every time. Um, so it's a gimmick. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a total gimmick, but oh. it is, it's fun. But the, it sold me though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, there's, there's a lot of different like small little changes that they've made in the games in the one for 2009, they had a really cool ability called overrun that, if, if you beat a player by, you know, like, let's say I'm attacking and I roll a six yeah. and Ryan, you're defending and you rolled a two. So I beat you by four. And so what happens is I use my one point to overtake that territory of yours that I was fighting over. But now I have three extra points and I can actually use those to expand into more of your territories that are oh, adjacent wow. to that. And it really kind of speeds up the combat, which is really nice. So we actually use that in the Z-Man version as well, just because I find that to be like a really, really cool little feature that they put into it. And it is oh, it's so much fun. It's such an enjoyable game. I'm on a picture here on BGG that has all six versions of the game. <laughs> side by side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. in the same shot. And it's yeah. uh, and I'm just looking at the 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 you know the evolution of of the the design. Yeah. And, um, it, yeah. Oh man. So it's really so, cool. And the map is like yeah. absolutely spectacular. It's kind of like this top down, um, almost like a Mercator type map of the world. Like it's very abstract, but it totally makes sense. This is the same map layout that Pan Am has where you're looking at the Arctic right. and, it, yeah. and then it opens it up from the, it splits away at the uh, Antarctic. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what they've done with it too, is like, you know, the parts that are important, like the Middle East and, and um, uh, sort of Southeast Asia yeah. and Africa, 
those parts, they're sort of in the middle of the board and they're larger because yeah. uh, you're fighting over those territories a lot more. And North America is just this tiny little thing at the yeah. edge of the board that you don't really even worry about <laughs> um, until the very end. Yeah. It looks like an appendix just on the, <laughs> exactly. off, to, yeah. off this <laughs> table side. Yeah. Yeah. It's And the map is gorgeous. Like it is absolutely beautiful. I'm not like the biggest, I, I don't really care about art and games too, too much. But man, the map on this board is just absolutely beautiful. Um, I opened it up the other day when I was sort of making my notes on this, and uh, it is—it's absolutely spectacular. Um, oh, and the little miniatures that they use too—they're—they're they're these little globy yeah. type miniatures on stands, and they're just—they—they they look so nice on the table too. Like it's a really, really beautiful looking game. So you mentioned that you had to go out and search out the um, two thousand one yeah. um, Avalon Hill. Have okay, so why that one? Because, okay, so <laughs> the board on that, or the, yeah, that version there, the board is, there's more territories. Um, there's about 50% more territories in it, which made the game a longer, more involved game. Um, plus, the other thing that's really cool is that all of the different armies, uh, all the different epochs, you have a different miniature for each epoch. So when you were like in the classical era, you knew which miniatures were from the classical era. So it kind of told a broader story. Um, that, you know, you might have this Bronze Age guy that happened to be, that civilization was on the board the entire game long um, and never, ever died, which is really cool. Um, and it was just one of those things that I, I loved the, I mean, we talked about miniatures as well. And, yeah. you know, we're all suckers for minis <laughs> and it, it's really cool. But man, is it a pain to sort those every single game? Because, I mean, each player, instead of having like 25 or 30 miniatures, now has like 130 miniatures that they have to go through. The um, as I'm scanning these pictures, what popped into my brain too, uh, because we talked about El Grande and how we love it, is it's kind of got that same three phase scoring tile, yeah, that I that immediately uh, gravitated to El Grande going, Hey, yeah, I recognize that, yeah, so yeah, and the, that's the cool thing is that each territory, like you'll, you'll score points based on how many units you have in there, so if you have at least one unit in a territory, you'll score its base number of points, yeah. But if you have at least two units and more than anybody else, then you'll score actually double that point value. Um, and if you happen to be the okay. only person that has units in a region and you have at least three of them there, then you score triple the original version. So oh yeah, if you can really clamp down on an area, you can really score some heavy, heavy points. And um, you know, as, as within real life, when the Romans hit, um, everybody just quakes in fear because most armies have, yeah, most factions have like, you know, you're like, oh man, this, this army has, or this civilization has six armies that I get to use. Like, that's really great. And then the Romans come out and they have like 15 and they just like ransack the entire, you know, known world at that point. I have a question though. But yep. what have the Romans really given? <laughs> uh, aqueducts? Aqueducts. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. I, it's, yeah, it's fun. It's a fun, fun game. That, you know, that must make for some crazy decisions, like like pivoting decisions, because you said negotiating. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if, you know, if we're sitting at the table and, you know, you come out, you know, say somewhere in the Middle East and you have a choice, like, do I go to Europe? Do I go to, do I, you know, conquer all the Middle East? Do I start making my way to China? And I'm like, oh, man, please don't go to China. So please there's big table China. talk. Oh, yeah, there's tons of table talk because I'd be like, man, I like maybe my civilization is going to be in China next. And I'm like, man, I if, if you start taking over all of my guys, like I'm going to be totally screwed. So, 
yeah, there's a lot of little negotiating and backstabbing and be like, you know what? Like, remember when I was really nice to you <laughs> in like Epoch 2 and I didn't attack your guys in Levant? And but but Steve attacked your guys in Levant. You should go after Steve because, you know, that was a that was a horrible move. And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to try to do that and to, to make those clever plays. I, I can respect that kind of play. I can respect Because <laughs> <that. laughs> it never goes my way. Yeah, Ever. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or somebody I'm, goes up to grab a, a beverage or to run to the washroom and everybody's like, okay, so like, so now that Justin's not here, like we can talk about what we need to do. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Those backdoor deals. Those always yeah. go well. Hey. Yeah, um, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I, I could, yeah. So I, like I, I appreciate that you brought up the point that you can see lots of this DNA spread amongst many different types of games yeah. um, that have come out since then. Like, like that, that, it's almost like that small world, like small world incorporated. Small world that and, thing. Yeah, and, and small world was based on another game as well that I can't remember the name of, but um, you know, they def- they definitely took a lot of history of the world and put it into that version of those games as well. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's definitely within this as well, but in this fantasy realm uh, that they now have, but this one here is, it's really, really cool. And, you know, you just think about like, you know, you get to see historically all these different civilizations come through and, and some of them too, like each, a lot of the factions will also have like a special ability in them um, that, you know, if you're China, you can build fortifications, which represent oh, your great wall really? so that people have a harder time attacking you. Um, maybe if you're the Mongols, you get points for like demolishing cities and, and, um, um, uh, I can't remember the other word for it now, um, but monuments that people have built, cities or monuments that people have built. So every time that you ransack a, a place and you like tear down those uh, those miniatures, you actually get bonus points for that as well, which is really cool. So there's, yeah, there's just so many little things that happen within the game. It's, uh, it's really, really neat. So, um, and then, you know, if you're the Americans near the end of the game, if you're attacking within North America, you get bonuses to your dice rolls because, of course, you know, you want to take the, that land over again. And um, it's it's really cool. You get so many cool little stories that happen within the game. Ryan. Well, yeah, because amazing, amazing stories has a copy yeah, like <laughs> avail- available like right now. They got one of the new Z-Man games edition in like right now. So like I could have it. Like, you can have it tomorrow. <laughs> um, not that I'm not that these people are sponsors, but right now I'm on Board Game Oracle. And uh, what it does is aggregates. Mm. Uh, by country, and so I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm right now checking <laughs> what online store in has Canada the best price. Yeah, yeah. It's like because yeah. oh, what I'm hearing. Yeah, 401 Games has uh, has uh, five copies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and there's a 1991 copy somewhere. Oh, there right. you go. Yeah, because what I'm hearing is I'm going to get a <laughs> um, very like Twilight Imperium ish type of game. But not with the six-hour time commitment. Is yeah, kind of I, I think if everybody it. can, you know, you know, gets behind it. Yeah. I mean, I, one of one of, my, one of our game group, um, Bryant, who like Twilight Imperium is his favorite game. Um, he actually does a YouTube channel with like backstories of all of the different factions and stuff in it, which is crazy. Um, and I know that he's always enjoyed playing this one as well because he just gets right behind it. Like he, you know, he he sees his faction. He's like, you know. I'm not even going to do what I think is really best for me. I'm going to do what I think that they should have historically done. <laughs> and he really gets behind his, his civilizations when it comes to it. And it's really cool. Uh, some of his moves don't always make sense, but they always, it's always a lot of fun. <laughs> 
And I'll reiterate, I can respect that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do this, but the Mongols would. The, the Mongols, yeah. The Mongols didn't do this, but I think that they should have done yeah. this. Yeah. 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 They did, they've never went to Australia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. Are you it, doing? Is, it is pretty cool. It is really, really neat. So, yeah. Yeah. I think so, that anybody who likes those types of games, I think this is a really, really good one to add to the collection. Yeah. So, Ryan, did you, did you already? Did you already click the purchase? Well, well I, I have to go to the store tomorrow anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So I guess at some point we'll be playing History of the World. So yay. 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 Um, uh, yeah, I think I'm getting the sense that I, I don't want to start, uh, you know, putting little metaphorical things, but I think History of the World has a has a seat in the observation car of this hype train because because this, the yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Man. it's it was yeah, it's one of those games that I I don't know, I always have a sweet sweet spot for it and I really thought that it should have got way more love than than it did when the mo most recent version came out because it's really I mean like the the Hasbro one back in 2001 that was probably the one that was most widely available yeah. um but you know like that was back in the day when board games weren't as big as they are now and the but fact the, that it's come that it has what six versions i mean yeah, it, yeah. it wants to stay on the radar exactly and these guys like the design group the ragnar brothers that that designed it the first versions they made had cloth cloth maps that they actually made themselves and like ironed out and, yeah, yeah. and everything like they put so much blood sweat and tears into the design of the game oh a nice passion it's unbelievable project. yeah cool. yeah yeah all of their games they they definitely put a lot of work into it and this is this is definitely i think their magnum opus of all of their designs it's, uh, nice. it's a really really cool game so yeah. oh well ryan you know what because because gaming is going to be opening up pretty soon here this this might have to be one of the games that gets to uh gets to hit the table Mm, I, I think I agree with that statement. <laughs> Man, I love I love the hype train. Yeah, I, it's, it's just getting better. Yeah. It's just Excellent. getting so good. I well, I had uh, I had big boots to fill from the last guest that you had on. So, oh yeah, this I'm 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 having fun with this idea. This is a fun idea. Mm -hmm. um, oh, uh, but before we wrap this up, Chris, we've talked a lot about. Uh, about you know your interest in gaming, but mm -hmm. we have yet to, to um, mention that you do some design. Why don't you talk about that before we round this out? Yeah, yeah, I'm a one of the you know multitude of fledgling designers that are out there right now, and uh, I have one game that was supposed to be released last year that uh, kind of got put on the back burner with COVID and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm hoping either later this year or early 2022 that uh, a game that I designed called Dino Park will get uh, get released. Um, that's uh, it's with a publisher right now, and they're just working on some art for it. And it's been a long process, but really looking forward to hopefully getting that into people's hands relatively soon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm working on several other designs right now and pitching a few to publishers, trying to gain some interest in uh, in a few of the designs. You guys played Zero Escape with me, which is one of my games that I was working That's on. And the one that I, that one. yeah, I, I like that one a lot and hoping to find the right fit with a publisher that might want to take it on. So, you know, if anybody's listening to this that uh, works within the publishing world, you know, hit hit me up and, uh, you know, let's let's give it a shot. Well, and that being said, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm uh, predominantly on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Spidermo. Um, that's S-P-Y-D-E-R-M-O. Um, so you can definitely find me there. And 
yeah, that's that's usually the best spot for sure. Cool. Because I'm very active on there on a regular basis, sometimes too much. Right on. <laughs> well, Ryan, you I think you're the one that's been leading this closing of the hype train. Uh, uh, yeah. What what well, do we? Let's, let's do the let's allow Chris to do the ceremonial. Uh, pull 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 the horn. Pull the the whistle. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was a good. There we go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Cool. My wife, my wife is probably sitting downstairs going, what the heck is going on up there? Has, has he started earlier this evening? (laughs) How much has he drank today? (laughs) My goodness. Uh, Okay. Well, that was, oh man, this is, I'm having so much fun doing the hype train. Um, And uh, I'm sad to, uh, to wrap this up, but thank you so much as always to, uh, to Chris for coming down and uh, talking to us and uh, lightening our bank account just a little bit and, or sorry, Ryan's this time, but you know what? I might have to pick this up. I'm staring at it right now on the screen. It's like, could uh, this be the first ever hype train where both of you bank a purchase? Oh, it just might be. It just might be. (laughs) And, and no one will ever know. Yeah. (laughs) And cut. So that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'm your host, Norm. I've had a brief history with my wallet. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.